Hello and welcome to this episode of Doing Good Through Food, where we talk about catering as a force for good in the world. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at DGTF underscore podcast. Follow us there to hear about guests, um, engage with us, tell us what you think, all that sort of thing. Um, and if you want to find out more about the show's purpose, the best places to look on our website, which is doinggoodthroughfood.com. I'm your host, Alex Coffin, and today I'm sitting down with Alice Gilsenen. Alice is the co-founder and marketing director of Tiny Leaf, a zero-waste restaurant in London serving vegetarian, vegan and organic food. The restaurant began with a residence in Notting Hill at the start of 2016, then moved to Mercato Metropolitano in Borough later in the year. The restaurant takes surplus food from local suppliers and bases a vegetarian and vegan menu around the food they receive. The menu changes on a daily basis depending on the food available um, and to ensure that waste is minimised in the first instance. Anything that cannot be used in the restaurant is then composted, recycled or donated to local food banks if possible, so there really is nothing wasted at all. Tiny Leaf is pushing the envelope of socially responsible catering, and I know they're very busy at the minute with lots of changes in their business, so I'm delighted Alice agreed to make time to appear on the show. Alice, welcome to Doing Good Through Feed. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Well, I thought I'd, um, we say here, I thought I'd paint the picture for anybody listening in. I've come up to meet you at home, which is a beautiful houseboat on the Thames. Yeah, Aku Aku. Yeah. Aku Aku. Mm. And um, I'd, I mean, it's, it, it's a beautiful place and we're right by the water, which sort of answers the question, I think, possibly anyway. But I was wondering what, what drew you to to live here uh to live here well um yeah i moved onto the boat about two years ago um and uh i moved in with my partner um and it was just kind of a natural progression and obviously it's a, it's a lovely place to be because it's um very peaceful um but yet we're in the the heart of london and um, it feels like a very special place um i think you know a lot of people are living um very individual lives in london and there's not much community but i think the lovely thing about being here and being on this boat is that you know everybody knows each other and everybody's each other's friend and there's always somebody there to drop in for a cup of tea or you know so um yeah it just really it strikes a chord with things that i i value really they yeah. were, I, just as i was walking in they were i was i was just saying stuff they were they were very friendly everyone was saying hello it wasn't yeah. like london at all yeah <laughs> it was, no, it was fantastic it was yeah yeah you feel like you're on a little island here you know because you you feel like you're on the water and you've got nature around you you know but also you're in the midst of it as well but you've got the kind of small town mentality which is lovely yeah you've got the best of everything yeah absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it's um yeah I, I, you, you sort of just said it then it, it kind of fits in quite well well, I imagine it would fit in quite well with some of the other aspects of your life, other things that are important to you. Yeah, yeah. It's been a kind of a bit of a path, really. I'm I'm sure, as your listeners can guess, I'm, I'm not from London originally. I'm from Dublin. Um, well, actually, Kildare. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I, I grew up in Ireland and... Uh, um, probably about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I, I kind of got a bit of a travel uh, bug and I lived in New York for a little bit and uh, then I wanted to kind of, um, you know, just check out London and see what it was like. I came over here for a weekend uh, to visit a friend and then, you know, 12 years later, I'm still here. Um, yeah, just it, it really suited me. Like I was in my mid 20s and uh, yeah, it's a fun place to be. Yeah, yeah. When you're, especially when you're that age and you've got lots of energy. So uh, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I remember. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The good old days. Yeah, uh, way back then. Yeah, yeah. Um, brilliant. All right. Well, I suppose where I wanted to kind of dive into the interview um, proper, if you like, was was kind of on the inspiration to do what you're doing. How how did the tiny leaf concept first 
evolved? Mm. Or what was the first sort of spark of inspiration? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting story. Um, so I had been, when I, when I originally moved to London, I uh, started working in advertising. Um, mm. I was taken on as a graduate for Ogilvy, um, which is a, a kind of a well-regarded oh, ad agency. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so my first clients were uh, Mars and um, also okay. Coors. So right. beer and chocolate. I mean, I couldn't have asked for anything better at yeah, that age. Cheese, you know? yeah. Yeah, perfect. yeah, lots of nice freebies from the mm. clients. But um, <laughs> yeah, so that, that was a lot of fun and it was quite intense and very stressful the money was good um, and yes it was a lot of fun but um, you know I kind of uh, after about four years in Ogilvy, I, I went into more independent digital focused agencies because at the time digital was becoming a big thing. Um, and from there, I um, then started doing freelance consultancy. Um, so all, mainly all my clients had been food marketing um, focused. So, um, yeah, so I, I started my own little consultancy um, was doing that kind of two or three days a week. And then the other two or three days a week would allow me some time to kind of dip into interesting projects um and then i got into conservation um i was working for a guy called paul lister who has a charity called uh, the european nature trust um and that was a big deep dive into the environment and the world we live in conscious consumption circular economy all these kind of big topics Mm. um so for me it was a real um awakening as to you know what's going on in the world and what's really important you know the the kind of bright lights of glitzy London and ad agencies kind of faded a bit, you know, and I yeah. started thinking, you know, why don't I use my skills that I have in food marketing and kind of direct them into a force for good? Um, so th- I spent um, almost a year with Paul um, and it was it was brilliant. It was like, yeah, just just a kind of complete change of um, perspective on things. Um, so then about maybe a year after that, um, my um, friend Justin Horn, um, who I had known as we lived in the same area in Notting Hill, mm. um, he we were just talking one night and um, he said to me, you know, I've got a great idea for uh, a restaurant, um, organic, vegetarian and zero waste. And, you know, for me, that was perfectly on point because one thing I was aware of is, is kind of waste in the food chain. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin's background was um, private, private events, um, chefing, um, high end stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He had a high end uh, events company and still does. Um, And yeah, he was he was very aware also of the waste issue. And, you know, he'd spent a lot of time time working in kitchens. And I think, you know, when you think about the stats uh, from rap, I think it is, is that 30 percent of all produce that goes into a kitchen in an average restaurant ends up in the bin, um, which is just crazy. I think 30 percent that goes into the home ends up in the bin and 30 percent that's grown in the field ends up back in the field. Um, And I think, you know, the big insight for people and the thing that most people aren't aware of is that you know we all think when food gets thrown out oh it just decomposes and biodegrades but actually it doesn't it releases toxic gases that basically are really uh, negative uh, for the environment so you know that's 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 quite a big issue that's not really being addressed on a societal level um but um yeah that that was one of the the main motivating factors behind tiny leaf i I think you're yeah you're sort of dead right I think most people would probably think oh you shouldn't do it because it's wasteful in a sort of a general way but mm. probably probably haven't heard that yeah exactly I, d- I think if you did a straw poll because you know actually when I when I before I embarked on this specifically um you know I wasn't aware of the actual level of the the impact um and and the kind of 
the the enormous amount of food. I knew there was a lot, but you know, I didn't actually know that it's thirty percent. And you know, I think when you look at that figure, it's interesting to see that it's, you know, it's not just the UK that has that figure. It's basically not even just Western culture. It's actually across the world. Um, and when we launched Tiny Leaf, and we had this big kind of um, bubble of press interest, um, we became really aware that this is a kind of a worldwide issue and that people all across the world are really, really kind of conscious now of this waste um, issue and that everybody wants to do something about it, you know. It, it does feel like there's a sort of a, a momentum that has built to a certain level, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Kind of, it's, we'll definitely get into, into mm. much more into that. I wanted to just ask, while we were talking about the inspiration and sort of the, how the concept came together, the, mm. the food waste part of it I think kind of is is really front and center mm. the the other parts of it so it's you know it's vegan vegetarian organic and zero waste yeah is that where did the sort of decision to pull to those things to be the total concept because I, mm. I was thinking with um <clears throat> Justin's catering mm. company for example you know they promote um you know if you go to the go to the website you go first to vegetarian and Mm. vegan menus mm. but there are other menus as well you mm. know there are sort of meat options on their menus mm. did where did the decision to make this sort of entirely vegetarian vegan come yeah, from was, was think, that from the start I think they all kind of interact with each other and they all all, all of those three aspects um support the other basically and mm. um, the organic for us is a kind of a no-brainer because yeah. you know um you know, food is medicine. Basically, what you put into your body is is kind of fundamental to your well being on a day to day basis. Mm. Um, we work really closely with the Soil Association, um, uh, in trying to promote organic food wherever possible. I mean, you know, we're ninety percent organic, and there's always bits and pieces that you can't actually get organic. Um, but for us, you know, that that aspect was an important one. It means you know we're buying things at a when we do have to purchase food at a higher price point. Um, but we feel it's a good it's it's an investment basically into into a business that can guarantee really good produce um, day after day. Uh, the ve vegan vegetarian, interestingly, we started off um, with a very vegetarian focus, um, whereby, you know, obviously we include dairy and eggs and things like that. Um, but as we've kind of moved along our journey, we found, we were reviewing the menus and we were like, actually, you know, our menu's 90% vegan um, a lot of the time, uh, which is quite nice because, you know, a lot of people think vegan, you know, a lot of people are really into veganism for mm -hmm. one, but then a lot of people are kind of turned off by the vegan because they, 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 the vegan idea because it feels a bit restrictive. Mm. Um, but actually our menu naturally kind of flew, flew in that position. Um, so yeah, so um, also I guess when you're when you're working with um, would be waste and surplus, mm. um, working with vegetables is easier because there's less risk involved than meat. Yeah. Um, and as we were kind of trialing and testing a relatively new concept, um, you know, we were thinking, you know, definitely it's it's a, it's a positive to minimise risk wherever possible. Um, however, also having said that, you know, meat consumption um, on an, on a kind of a societal level is is kind of um, for, for for me and for my colleagues, you know, we feel that, you know, there, there's probably too much meat being consumed and we would um, be, we're, you know, the team is made up by a, a mix of people, strict vegans, vegetarians, flexitarians, of which mm -hmm. I'm one, yeah. you know, so we, we kind of approach the whole vegan vegetarian thing on a, on a kind of a non-judgmental basis. Um, so no matter what stage you're at or no matter what your preference is, we don't we don't judge. It's not anybody else's business. Mm. But what we're trying to do is offer a menu and a platform that just is beautiful food, mm. which happens not to be meat. 
I think if you look under the layers of that, you know, um, ideally, personally, I would like to see meat consumption reduced in this country. Um, you know, you, you've got a lot of people who are eating meat five days a week, more even, you know, and if you just reduce that, you know, um, a couple of days off, that, that impact when you're looking on a volume level and that positive impact for the environment is absolutely, could be huge, you know. Um, we also kind of think about things like animal welfare, factory farming, uh, you know, it's it's you know i think what you what you put in you get out and i think if you're rearing animals they're just not really uh having a good life you know i think there's there's a negative um energy about that as well um that might sound a bit hippy dippy but you know i think you know i do believe what you what you put in you get out i think you can't um i think you can't ignore those sorts of things you know when you if, if there's an expectation that that meat is cheap and you know then a lot of stuff flows from that doesn't mm. it and you can't i think the more you get into these things I don't know if you if you once you see certain things you can't really ignore it I suppose yeah. Is, is yeah absolutely and I think I think you know people on a on a wider level are, are waking up to the fact that you know we need to address these issues um you know we we've got the internet you know I know it's been around for quite a while now but we're now really seeing the effect of access to all of that information mm-hmm. um and people are much more aware of injustices that happen on every level so you know food production is obviously mm-hmm. one topic there mm-hmm. in in that big cloud and you know that's um, making people a lot more conscious about the origin of their food where where it's coming from who's who's producing it yeah um and all the elements on that um supply chain as well brilliant okay but i was just thinking maybe we could talk a bit about the the model mm-hmm. that you run in the business so mm-hmm. for somebody um i think you know things vegetarianism i think is is obviously is pretty well understood veganism mm-hmm. as well um and organic but for somebody who someone who's listening might it might be the first time they'd heard food waste sort of as a mm, thing you know yeah. i mean they kind of might have a pretty good idea of you know you should reduce waste yeah. but um for somebody who's hearing that as a term for the first thing what does mm. what does zero waste mean sort of in general and if if it's different what does it mean to you yeah so zero waste is an interesting term um it's basically perceived on on different levels by different people mm. um for for me the term zero waste is it's a bit of a weird one because it kind of suggests that we have absolutely zero waste and mm. you know that that wouldn't be realistic um the zero waste idea is about aiming towards reduction of waste with an ultimate aim of having zero waste yeah um but a lot of businesses haven't even taken the first step on that path you know apart from the obvious things that businesses do mm-hmm. so we would hope to think that we're a few steps down that line um, by the various um, techniques and approaches that we adopt mm. um, for our business. Um, the view all the time to minimising waste, reducing impact, reusing, recycling, mm. um, you just being as mindful as possible. Um, and on a business level, obviously, that works as well because you're reducing costs when you're reducing waste. So, mm. yeah. I think that's, I mean, it's, it's, it'd be interesting probably for a lot of people to hear that because they'd, you know, Particularly if they're working in the catering industry, they might, you know, mm. be pretty aware of the the impact that it has and sort of wanting to reduce things. But they might sort of be thinking, well, zero waste just isn't. Mm. It's not possible. It's not. It's not a. You know, you're you're dealing with a perishable product mm. and you know fluctuating levels of demand, and you need to give choice to customers. You yeah. know, that's it's all well and good, but you know, you can't really do it. But mm. it's, it's but having that as a 
a sort of clear aspiration yeah. must sort of flow through everything. It yeah, seems. exactly. And I think, you know, when you when you start, I think the first step in, in adopting a zero waste approach to things is to be, number one, to be aware of how much waste you create mm. um, and to be mindful of that. And kind of, you know, I think a lot of people, I guess in the hospitality industry, like things are, you know, pretty stressful. Kitchens are stressful, busy places. You know, people are so busy running on their (laughs) feet to kind of, you know, get the food out and make sure customers are happy Mm. that, you know, a lot of the time you don't actually get a chance to stop, take a moment and and kind of observe what's going on on a kind of a on a wider angle. Um, And I think when you do that, then you're probably going to be aware of of chains of waste that are completely unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to be aware of waste chains that are basically what what is perceived to be necessary um and then i think it's a matter of kind of thinking intelligently about how things can be changed um and i think a lot of the time that involves kind of swimming upstream a bit in that um if you're looking at it's not about okay we've got this menu and these are the elements that that are generally wasted and we'd Mm -hmm. like to drive efficiencies in these (laughs) ways it's about kind of okay what is our menu you know Mm. is it is it being created and designed with a with a, a mindfulness about waste to begin with? Are we thinking is it is it a circular menu? You know, mm. can we introduce ingredients that are surplus in on one item into other dishes? You know, what's mm. the kind of lifespan of these these uh, products? Um, you know, how can we kind of bring that circular thing into in thinking into the menu design? Um, so I think it's it's almost about pre thinking as opposed to responding to existing. Mm. Um, then I think, you know, it's about elements such as, uh, you know, if for, if for any team, you know, if the people leading the team need to believe in this first and foremost, mm. um, because there'll be a trickle down and enthusiasm for it, yeah. depending on, you know, if, if, if somebody's kind of not really feeling it or not really understanding the idea behind the waste, then, you know, it's going to fail, uh, mm. definitely. Um, but if you have leaders at the top who are inspiring staff, um, I mean, there's so much content out there now that you can, you know, just send links to people to watch videos and there's so much happening in the industry and it's a quite an exciting, buzzy, buzzy place to be. So, mm. you know, when we've, we've, we've basically in Tiny Leaf in our most recent um, setting, we've, we've employed people from all sorts of different walks. Mm-hmm. Um, those who are, you know, as I said, strict vegans, very waste conscious. Um, you know, and flying the flag yeah. wholeheartedly. But then I've also employed people who are coming from, you know, uh, meat backgrounds and um, have no clue about waste at all. And, you know, it's always pleasantly surprising mm. when you start talking to people about these things and the kind of light bulb moment happens, how how uh, easily these ideas are adopted. Um, so it's about kind of, you know, getting getting your team to be ambassadors for the movement as well. And I imagine those people, the sort of the ones who can or possibly are the ones who can really bring people along with you as well. Yeah. You know, if they're the ones, because if you've got the, you know, the kind of the true believers yeah. might scare people off a bit. Yeah. But if you've got someone who's kind yeah. of... Yeah, well, uh, you, you know, know, hey, this is new to me, you know, yeah, exactly. but did you know type thing, you know, that, can that's can make this inspiring. little change, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And it's all about little changes as well. It's mm. by degrees. It's not, you know, I think the one thing movements of any sort have against them is that when you've got people who are kind of militant behind the helm, mm. they will alienate others. And, and you know, you're never going to change... Uh, people's eating behavior or purchasing behavior through guilt. Mm. Um, that's one thing I did learn in food marketing. And it's like, you know, negative, negative messages don't work. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what we were trying to do with Tiny Leaf in the beginning was just basically put beautiful food on the plate and actually inspire people through beautiful dishes. And then it's kind of, you know, aha, this tastes great. Tell me the story behind it type thing. Mm. Um, it's much more of a um, a pull strategy rather than pushing 
um, you know, neg- negativity onto to customers. More, more carrot than stick. Exactly. Yeah, very yeah. good. Yeah. Very good. So just just sort of back to the the model, I suppose, the kind of um, the way that it works. A lot of the food that you take is donated, which is is um, you know sort of I think why you one of the reasons that the the sort of I, the building the menu around what you have kind of works is sort of intellectually but it's also necessary I guess to Mm. because you don't always know what's coming in yeah how kind of how much of the food is is donated that way and and how does that how does it work yeah well it works on a number of different levels depending on where the business is at so when Mm. we initially launched as a pop-up for three months in Notting Hill um, it was quite a big undertaking. It was like probably mm. one of the most ambitious uh, restaurant pop-ups because usually it's like you know Auntie Mildred's garage in Dalston, you yeah. know, and take you, over you were, for a few nights. You were four and, floors in a cinema. Yeah, yeah. I think right? it was about seven thousand yeah. square feet. So yeah, we had uh, just that small. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was you know it was just right time, right place. We knew yeah. the neighbourhood and this opportunity came up, so we thought you know why not? Let's go for it. Mm. Um, ideally, we would have liked to have more time in that location, but unfortunately, the landlord who loved what we were doing had um, applied for planning permission so it's now been uh, converted into luxury flats and being in Notting Hill it's obviously in high in demand so yeah, it must have been heartbreaking though I mean you yeah. you'd, even if you knew it was temporary and a pop-up three months is yeah. you know everything's just starting to bed in I exactly. would imagine that yeah must have been... yeah it was a bit heartbreaking but you know I think you have to especially in this business you have to think you know everything's for a reason yeah. um and then also you know we'd we'd tested the concept in a casual fine dining format um mm. But I think, you know, we were really keen and eager to see how this concept would work in different guises. So, you know, on a street food level, which is where we popped up in Mercato for for the last 12 months. Um, And it's been great. It's been great to see um, people from all walks of life interacting with this idea about food waste Mm. um, and testing the concept in lots of different guises really solidifies that you've got a really strong um, philosophy uh, as the Mm. backbone to it. Um, so that that kind of really um, empowers us and drives us um, to kind of keep playing with this this concept. And you know, my big my big aim at the moment is to bring Tiny Leaf, rather than be restricted to being in one spot, is mm. actually to bring it to different places because, you know, a lot, a lot of a lot of interesting foodie things happen in London, but there's a much bigger world out there. You know, yeah. Um, we we went down to Hugh Fernie Whittingstall in River Cottage, yeah. um, and we were asked to be a food um stand at his festival. Oh, brilliant. Uh, so that was brilliant. So we yeah. went. T- we took Tiny Leaf on tour. Um, it was great to engage with people outside London, and you know, just bring a new new idea. Um, and people were really warm to it. Um, so we're going to continue doing things like that over across the year. We're going to go back to to Hughes um, future festivals as well. Um, and it's just really great. It's great to kind of bring the brand on the road and 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 see the response. Well, and then sort of, you know, spend some time with people like that as well. I yeah. mean, he's a real champion for all these sorts yeah, of things. Yeah, he's he? an amazing guy. Yeah, we um, we originally met Hugh through, uh, we, we did a kind of a, a, a private dining event for um, Toast Ale, um, nice. which is an amazing brand. Um, I'm a big um, flag flyer for Toast. It's basically um, a beer made from surplus bread. Um, when I was harping on about statistics earlier on in the interview, mm. uh, I think that the bread statistics are one of the most shocking. You know, 40% of all bread is wasted. I hear it's sort of bread, potatoes, and I can't remember what the other thing, but the things that are wasted more than anything yeah. is the things that people just buy yeah. because, yeah. you know, 
without much thought. I exactly. Suppose. And I mean, this perception of freshness and this yeah. lack of kind yeah. of creativity when it comes to kind of giving bread a second life and doing other things with it. You know, I mean, it's it's just, yeah, it's it's kind of unfortunate, let's say. But right. um, I mean, you know, with, with all this wasted bread, we've got Toast Ale, which is amazing. Uh, we were the, one of the first restaurants to stock it. Mm. Um, and it's just, it's gone from strength to strength. I think they've now launched in America. Um, really? Yeah, it's been just fantastic. Uh, it's been headed up by Tristram Stewart, um, uh, yeah. and Rob Wilson is the chief toastmaster there. Okay. So Tristram is basically, um, you know, he's got feedbackglobal.org, which is a, a food waste charity, mm-hmm. um, and Toast is the. Um, it's involved with the pig idea as well. Yeah, he? exactly. Feed, yeah. Feed the five thousand yes that, yeah yeah it's yeah. the name of that yeah, well, yeah yeah no he's fantastic and um <coughs> mm. so basically yeah so we've we've worked with them quite a lot and we did a, a kind of a zero waste banquet um okay. for toast and Hugh was one of the guests um, because he's closely affiliated with with toast and has, has always um promoted them where he can um so yeah so we we did a banquet for him and we we kind of we used surplus foraged found ingredients yeah. uh, and he loved it and he thought you know this is really really interesting because um, actually all that River Cottage is all about at the moment is um, you know um, swapping the perception of meat into to veg and kind of turning that in its head and yeah. emphasising more veg and maybe less meat or maybe yeah, meat yeah. As, as a kind of an addition to rather than a central point of a, of a, of a meal um, so yeah so there's, there's a huge network of interesting people and amazing things happening and it really does feel you know like there's quite a big family out there you know mm. when, you, when you think of all the amazing products and brands that are using surplus would be waste um, another one that springs to mind is rubies in the rubble yes uh, which make amazing condiments um, okay. which we actually used on the veggie burgers we did in, in River Cottage um, and they're just fantastic people um, dash water is another one um, okay. a sparkling water that's infused with wonky cucumbers and lemons right um, and you know just beautiful branding you know I think that's that's another point actually and this is my food marketing hat on again but you know if you're ever going to do something when it's concerning waste, you really need to make sure that your branding is on point and that the way you're presenting this product is really bang on and that, you know, people mm. are like, wow, I really like that packaging. I don't, you know, and they engage with it on many levels. It, it does seem like there's something to kind of, um, I don't know, it's a perception thing that, need, that is changing or sort of is, is, you know, things like wonky vegetables becoming not even just kind of acceptable sort of more mm. like aspirational almost yeah, it's sort of you, yeah. because you know you're buying into everything that goes with that yeah exactly is, is that, do you yeah. sort of see that happening yeah and I think it's part of a wider movement um, which is quite I hate the word but trendy at the moment and you know trends suggest that they're um, they will pass but mm. I think actually the trend is for um, something that we call conscious consumption so just mm-hmm. mindfulness about what you're purchasing why you're purchasing it where it's come from um, and is there ethics behind how it's produced and I think yeah. that is a huge huge movement especially in the kind of strangest places like um, the fashion industry which would be you know traditionally um, cited as one of the most wasteful industries because you know mm. you've got so many seasons you've got so much um, fast fashion being produced yeah. disposable fashion um, but actually one of the, one of the kind of um, what would you say groups of, of people that interacted us interact with us most is actually the fashion industry because there's a yearning within that industry to address this awful uh, thing about waste so we get a lot of mm. fashion types kind of you know really really into the conscious consumption thing and and you see brands in fashion going from strength to strength you know Stella McCartney is a great example you know mm. um, and the whole kind of thing whether it's a restaurant or a fashion business or whatever is that actually having an ethical 
uh, core and having a philosophy of ethics behind what you're doing and, and being conscious of what you're producing is actually a reason for people to purchase. It's an it's a reason for people to buy. It's a reason for people to visit your restaurant. Mm-hmm. It's not just something that you do as an add on to your business model. For us, it's become a core part of our business model. It is our business model. It is the core. Um, and that's that's really interesting because I think it shows that society is at a point where we're like finally maturing, I think. I, yeah, I, I, I can see sort of it's right at the heart of obviously of, of what you do. And it's do you think it's something that is. Where do you think other kind of, you know, more established, bigger caterers, that kind of thing? I mean, on the high street or, or mm-hmm. kind of or anywhere, really, I mean. Do you think that they are how how far sort of how many steps behind on that do you think they are? Because there's this sort of um, I think there's probably an understanding within individuals who sort of work throughout the industry of, mm. of kind of the importance of lots of things. But there's of, of sustainability and mm. conscious consumption and that sort of thing. But how how much work do you sort of see being done to really to embed it? Yeah, even close to what you're doing. I guess that's something that you always have to be really conscious of. You know, we've since we launched Tiny Leaf, we we've been approached by many of the big brands, basically. Um, yeah. one of them being a kind of worldwide known soft drinks manufacturer mm. and a leading one. And uh, you know, you're thinking, wow, these people are interested in sustainability like and you're just thinking of the volume that these guys produce every day Mm. but you know they came for lunch we had a really good kind of strategy session with them um and it was just great to kind of dig down and see that there is people on the boardroom level there that actually are interested in really changing how things happen i mean there's also the kind of concern that actually it's all great having one person at the boardroom table that was really kind of environmentally minded and wants Mm. to drive this but it needs to be adopted and for for new approaches to production and things like that for that to trickle down into the actual what ends up on your plate is can take quite a long time let's say yeah um so i think it's interesting to see high street brands um and 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 food outlets and takeaways and things like that flying the flag of you know there's there's one at the moment that's flying the vegan vegetarian flag quite highly mm. and i think that's great and it's fantastic um because when you've got high street presence, you're bringing that message to streets all across the UK and beyond, mm. you know. Um, but also something I've also been made aware of is actually, you know, there's this whole concept of greenwashing where you, you've yeah. got big brands who adopt this whole sustainability angle. And so actually, they, yeah, is it because it's a trend? They, yeah, oh, that, that's the thing we want yeah. to kind of to use it rather yeah. than to, to actually live it. Yeah, exactly. And I think as a consumer, you need to kind of interrogate the brands mm. you're interacting with to ensure that you know let's just to, just to ensure that they're not just jumping on a on a kind of sustainability bandwagon mm. um i've i've seen a couple of examples recently that kind of you know slightly turn your stomach and you just think god that's awful you know it's one thing being unethical but it's another thing taking on an ethical cause and using that for your own shameless self-promotion you know um yeah so i think you know i think it's it's become a trendy thing big brands are are taking it on board um some of them are doing it from a from a point of integrity i think others aren't um Mm. and i think the next step will be the unmasking of the ones that really are and the ones that aren't um, and I think consumers as they adopt this approach of, of sustainable eating and purchasing mm. um, they're the ones that will be curious and it's it's the worldwide web that's going to be curious and interrogating these mm. brands to see how ethical they actually are and um, I can definitely see the the you know social media the way you know internet that sort of mm. thing people just communicating directly I was 
Do you, do you think there's also maybe a role for things like um, accreditations and awards? I mean, there's the um, Sustainable Restaurant Association. They do mm. the Food Made Good Awards, for yeah. example. So they really kind of push. And I think they, they do quite a lot of investigation into what, what goes on and then promotes, you know, people who, who are living these things, you know, sort of yeah. at whatever level they're doing it. Yeah. Um, what, where do you think that fits into the mix? I mean, is, if, I think... if somebody's... Sorry, if somebody's thinking, uh, you know, I want to I want to follow this, but I don't know yeah. how I don't know how to start investigating. Yeah. What should people look for? Um, yeah, I think I think organisations like the Soil Association, uh, the SRA, they're they're they've got a really important part to play in all of this. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I can't yeah I can't um, praise them enough really because um, they're the bodies that govern these wonderful businesses but they're the ones that are at this the stamp of um approval basically and consumers mm. need that stamp in order to feel you know comfortable that they know what they're getting and where it's come from definitely not everybody can put as much sort of as much effort into it i suppose or not as much a focus as much as their life into it perhaps you know yeah. so if they but if they do care about these things and sort of um you know in a real way but, but want to sort of to be able to do their shopping quickly yeah <laughs> you know, that's, exactly it's, it's that sort of thing exactly yeah you need these aggregators of yeah. of um consumer products to kind of yeah be the stamp of approval and be that kind of um litmus test really i guess to to ensure yeah that things are coming from the right places and people are doing the right things yeah okay well let's um maybe just talk a bit more about about kind of you and sort of how mm. how you the, as tiny leaf mm. um and how it's all going you've got yeah. um you were saying pop-up yeah three-month pop-up that, three was, month pop that up, was yeah rudely cut short yeah. and then and then you've had 12 months yeah. you know in uh at Mercato, Mercato much yeah. Palatano, learning yeah. about uh you know sort of putting it into street food and that sort of thing yeah what what's what's the plan now yeah what's the next step? I guess the ultimate goal um would be to launch a uh, fully sustainable zero waste restaurant in central London um to begin with it's quite an ambitious project, though, mm. you know, I mean, the idea is to incorporate things like vertical growing farms, anaerobic digestion. Um, Within the, the building. Yeah, yeah renewable wow. tech wherever possible. Um, so it's quite an ambitious um, project, but it's it's definitely doable. And I think there's a definite market for it. Mm. Um, but that would be a bit more longer term. Um I would imagine that our plan for 2018 will be looking at strategies with regards to crowdfunding for that and talking to investors um, and just building up a case and, and kind of getting the, the facts. I mean, we've we've tested the concept on many different levels now. Now I want to take it on, on the road a bit. So we're interacting with more than just London, um, but London as well. Um, we're going to test more festivals. Um, these are more shorter term plans. Um, we're doing a lot of catering, a lot of events. Um, Again, you know, you've got all these big businesses that are thinking about sustainability and, you know, the wonderful thing that we're seeing is that when they want to do a conference on sustainability or it's on the agenda, you know, it's very, it's all very well to be talking about sustainability. But then when people go off for their lunch break, if they're serving things on, you know, yeah. uh, disposable, um, you know, uh, cartons and things, oh, you know, that's and, exactly and, yeah. then, you know, the, there's a kind of a bit of a cul-de-sac there with regards mm. to how people will perceive it. Um, so we're finding, yeah, that without even having pushed it very much, we're getting kind of knocks on the door every second day um, from from big businesses and and small, medium, you know, and from all different areas as well. Everybody's into the sustainability mm. thing, which is really, really interesting. Um, so, yeah, so that, that's my focus at the mo at the moment. But, yeah, definitely a long term plan for um, 
the most renewable, uh, sustainable restaurant. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. I, I suppose it, it kind of we we touched on it all at the beginning. You know, the, the, these are, um, you know, the food waste is is uh, when you start getting getting figures, it kind of becomes almost almost a bit overwhelming mm. when you're talking of you know sort of nine hundred thousand tons of waste or mm. billions of pounds worth yeah. of, of food waste in houses. It's sort of um, it's hard, I think, to get your head around to be, to even begin to visualise what that is for one thing. But mm. also, I suppose there's a danger if people, if like with any kind of really big numbers, that people might start thinking, "Oh, well, you can't affect that. It's too, it's mm. too big. It's overwhelming." Or, yeah. So, how? I suppose the question is, how? How are you? I think you were partly answering it, but how are you going to make as big an impact as possible? Is is it kind of really about? blazing a trail and sort of showing that this this can be done kind of pioneering mm. this as a concept or do you is it about replicating it other you know rolling out other tiny leaves all over a mixture of both of those things yeah. Where, um, I think um from a strategic point of view at the moment my priorities are um brand awareness um engagement on a on a on a wider geographical level so yeah it's definitely we've 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 done a lot in london and we will continue to do so but then you know um it's about i think the festival season next year will be really interesting um so we're going to focus on that quite a lot um yeah it's just getting it out to a wider audience and do you know where you're going to be yeah uh, well we've confirmed river cottage um okay. but then there's quite a few others that are potentials as well so um yeah um Sounds we'll be, like it'll be a fun summer yeah yeah, yeah fun and exhausting yeah. but nice exhausting <laughs> i think yeah we're um yeah we we update all our kind of um events and things like that on our social pages social media pages so um find us on facebook and instagram uh, tiny leaf london um but yeah so yeah i think objective wise it's definitely you know keep that brand awareness going um continue to test the concept in in different um formats um and bring it to as many people as possible of as many different backgrounds as possible i think that's quite important because you know sometimes when you launch something that kind of folds into the trendy bracket you know you end up in an echo chamber of middle class Londoners and it's just kind of like reverberating around the same messages so I think well, it was something that I, I think I, I said in the first first email that I sent you yeah. I'd, I'd spotted you saying you know you didn't want it to just be a middle class concern it exactly. wasn't you know you needed to engage with the community where you were yeah. and, and um, I, I thought that's that's got to be yeah absolutely right that's, yeah and I think um, that that has to be our focus because um, yeah your your impact is not going to be as much if you're just in a silo basically um so we need to kind of yeah spread the word and extend our arms as much as possible um we're working with some other really interesting projects as well there's um a great project called the brick kitchen um so there's a guy an amazing chef called sam hodges who's um fronting up the brick kitchen which is based on columbia road um and it's a, basically it's an exhibition um it, project um research project food research and um that's culminated in exhibition dinners okay. so he's busy sourcing the most sustainable ingredients that the country has to offer wow. and um yeah just incredible incredible food so we're co-producing a lot of events with sam um and it's just been fantastic you know we we did one for um yeah speaking of getting tiny leaf into into places that are kind of slightly unknown we did a project um in Erith, which is near okay. dartford yes um, yeah um, the Mayor of London's office um, and um, a, a, a company called The Decorators have curated this project whereby they did a beautiful pop-up um, Perspex lighthouse um, and they placed it um, on the side of the, the Thames in Erith. And, um, how, how 
big a thing was it, that? Was it it wasn't just... very big. It's, we had about, I'd say, room for about 30 covers in total. Okay. Um, but it was just kind of one of these amazing Sounds things cool, that, you right? know, Earth is quite, it's beautiful, but quite bleak, um, mm. especially when it was a grey, cloudy day and you've got this amazing pink and blue shining structure with a big disco ball as the, as the light <laughs> in the top. Um, so we were just, asked... Just inconspicuous. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it is yeah. shine retiring. <laughs> um, so we were asked to do um, a number of dinners there as a kind of a supper club exhibition dinner thing and um, they just went really really well and it was just great to you know I, I did them with Sam and we were just really pleased at the end of it because you know we had so many interactions with so many interesting people from all sorts of different walks of life around the table um, just on, on one of the uh, elements that we introduced there we were actually we had a, a wonderful Japanese knotweed syrup okay. um, that we added to the dessert and it was uh, it had come from a company called the Forager Limited, which mm. is just an incredible company for foraging rare and amazing um, ingredients. Yeah, and they're sustainably done, obviously, as well. Um, so we had Japanese knotweed and uh, a syrup and, you know, a couple of people at the table when I introduced this as, as one of the elements they started laughing I said what, what are you laughing at and they were like oh this guy here he's actually he's a Japanese knotweed contractor and all through this <laughs> meal he's been talking to us about we should make use of waste and actually Japanese <laughs> knotweed is a really his, good uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah so um, yeah it was just brilliant it was great fun and you know lots of lovely people from as I said all different walks kind of just talking about sustainability and waste it was fantastic yeah Brilliant. So more, more of that, more engagement, yeah, more, exactly. more sort of spreading the message. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the most fun. I mean, it's it was been great to be an SE one um, for twelve months, but you know, you you do kind of find. Thankfully, we had a lot of repeat custom, but you do find the same faces. And, you know, if you're kind of really mm. wanting to talk about something, you need to get it on the road as well. So, yeah, that's definitely a key priority. Yeah. Taking people with you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, if, if somebody's... <sighs> Somebody at home, I suppose, I suppose where I'm, what I'm thinking is, is how has this impacted the way that you live your life? Because you said it sort of, you know, you were living this, this London life, yeah. uh, you know, the, the agencies and everything else that goes yeah, with it. Yeah. And, and, and it seems like that, you know, becoming involved with um, uh, Tent, wasn't it? And, mm. the, and, and then sort of moving into this has sort of changed the way that you, mm. that you live. I mean, yeah, is, is that right? And what would you... Yeah. What would you... If somebody sort of wants to make changes, you said it's quite often about small changes. Yeah. What, what sorts of things yeah, could somebody it, be doing? The whole kind of... The whole awareness thing for me has, as I, sa I was saying kind of earlier, like the first thing was to kind of be aware of the amount of waste I was creating. Um, then I think, you know, it's about kind of being inspired by others. Um, there's a great book called The Zero Waste Home um, by a lady called B. Johnson. Um, she's a Cana French Canadian and she's just so inspiring. And, you know, she, she's basically reduced her, her waste down to almost nothing. Mm. Um, but yeah, it looks elegant and amazing and is really, you know, just um, full of enthusiasm. Um, yeah. And we did an event for herself and um, a company called Unpackaged, um, which is headed up by somebody called Kath Conway, who is kind of one of the early pioneers of of being of zero waste, zero packaging mm -hmm. um, and that whole movement. Um, so, you know, it's at times like that over the course of this project that I've been really, really inspired by people who have already been on this path for a very long time. Mm. And I think, yeah, one of the ways if you if you do want to kind of think on a on a home level, how do I change things? I think, yeah, reading reading B's, B's book would be um, definitely one I'd recommend. Um, 
there's interesting businesses opening up in London as well. Um, mm-hmm. There's a fantastic girl called Ingrid who's just launched Bulk Market, okay. um, which is a bulk buy store. Um, and she's in East London at the moment. Um, I think the website's bulkmarket.org. Um, and it's a fantastic place to visit, you know. So it's just mm-hmm. about, you know, I think one of the biggest things for me is reducing packaging. Um, you know, when you go on a day-to-day basis, you know, when you when you go, I go to a bar and you get, you order a drink and it comes with a plastic straw mm. you know that's one of my bugbears and I generally send the straw back or I use the straw keep the straw and then bring it home and use it you know and just this whole kind of you know single use plastic um, yeah. thing is is just one of the biggest ways in which we can affect change um, yeah so I think you know also there's apps as well there's fantastic apps that uh, you know some that spring to mind is Olio um, which is a food waste app mm-hmm. and not even food waste it's uh, you know anything that you have in your home if you have a uh, surplus you can post it on this app and you know somebody can come around and pick it up if it's meaningful to them um, is, so, is that a London focused sort of a thing or I do don't you... think so I think they're in a couple of different places now and they're get, they're expanding all the time Okay. Um, and I think I read recently that they've just taken on Pret-a-Manger as one of their oh, um, okay. donatees or donators so um, mm. yeah that, that's they're going from strength to strength um, there's another app called Too Good to go that's the the restaurant one isn't yeah, it the restaurant yes, one. yes yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. restaurants when they have um surplus they can mm. basically post it on this app sell it on a discount therefore less food in the bin um so you discounted food for you exactly. discounted cheap restaurant food yeah. and and you know that you're not you're, yeah. you're stopping it going in the exactly bin. and you're, you're also encouraging footfall from customers potential customers that might not have treaded you know over your, your through your restaurant before you know that they're you're encouraging people to come through your door that might not have usually gone there and you know all it takes is that minute of like Ooh, browsing the menu this looks nice I'll come back here for dinner sometime you know so yeah. so there's lots of really interesting things that are happening yeah brilliant yeah brilliant um I suppose just looking to the future I mean we've, we kind of talked about the scale of the problem mm-hmm. and uh the fact that you know there but there are there are lots of people doing brilliant things particularly when you start looking for it there's there's this real community around it do you generally do you feel hopeful about all of it do you feel or do you feel sort of you know doom and gloom at times a bit overwhelmed um i feel largely positive about things yeah i feel Mm. that we're in the midst of a movement that's growing it's it's not just tiny leaf as i said there's a huge amount of innovation Mm. going on in the food sector um I think once restaurants are realising on a mass level that um, sustainability is a reason for people to to come to your restaurant, I think Mm -hmm. that's going to be a huge um, advantage point for the restaurants that take it on. Um, Yeah, generally, I'm I'm really happy and positive with the the way things are going. There's always room for, um, you know, change and um, bettering things. Mm. But, you know, I think the one way, the one thing that we always say is that you need to change things by degrees. Um, don't expect, you know, in the morning you can kind of completely revolutionise processes and systems that have been embedded and in place for a long time. You need to kind of, you know, small baby steps, but always in the right direction will fun- fundamentally end you up in a different place at the end of it. So, um, yeah, just, um, yeah, I think it's 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 great to be part of it. Um, and I look forward to seeing what, what the next chapters are. I think, you know, as we touched on, um, the businesses that do adopt this sustainability message, they need to do it with integrity because, you know, mm. the truth always comes out. And I think the next um, the next level of, of adoption of this will be consumers interrogating brands to make sure that they actually really are um, doing what they're say, saying they're doing. Mm-hmm. So that's quite important, too. Yeah, They should be warned. <laughs> mm, indeed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, all right. We'll start just 
just kind of drawing it to a close and mm-hmm. you know we need to need to wrap it up quite soon so i just thought i'd ask you sort of a more general question if i thinking about the the uk food industry as a whole i mean whether that's kind of restaurants or, or mm. more more widely if i say success to you who who do you think of and why mm, that's a really interesting question um I would like to say that there's a supermarket that I'm really inspired by. Uh, you mm. know, I spent all my time trying to impress the big five, the Waitrose, yeah. Tesco, Sainsbury's, Asda, Morrison's when I was in my food marketing days. Um, and they have all in their own ways done campaigns that are focused on food waste and perfectly imperfect and all these kind of yeah. things. But I don't think I've seen any one of them really owning the space. And I think there's an opportunity there for one to kind of rise to the top. Mm. Um, I know Tesco has released its waste figures, which I think is a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm kind of sad to say, actually, I don't see a supermarket really stepping up. Um, and that's a business opportunity for somebody mm. um, to really do it with integrity, not just, OK, this is our <laughs> Q2 campaign and, you know, H2 kind Next of type thing. It's, else, it yeah. needs to be done um, on a proper level. Um, um, I think it's been fantastic to see Pret-a-Manger launch their veggie prep range. Mm. I think that's really interesting because, you know, as I said, their 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 presence on high streets across the country is just really hitting out that message that meat does not need to be centre point to a good meal. And I think that's um, that was a trial, wasn't it? And now now they are. Yeah. That's happening. Yeah, it's, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, that what I've read from them is that, you know, actually, some of their veggie options are outselling their traditional options. So it proves out what you're saying about the, you know, this is a, it's an opportunity, isn't it? uh... Exactly, exactly. And I think um, with regards to sustainable brands, you know, it's it's all the guys that I've mentioned, the Toastales when it comes to beer, Mm -hmm. Rubies in the Rubble when it comes to condiments, um, Dash Water, drinks we've got snacked which is a snack that's made from dried fruit yeah um i've probably forgot somebody but uh, oh yeah um chickpea chickpea f- uh, hummus so hummus okay. made from uh, surplus vegetables so you know there's so much going on um i think it's about looking at those small independent innovative businesses and kind of choosing them to feature them as part of your um ingredients in, in your restaurant or mm. where, wherever it might be if you have a store or whatever you know mm. it's about kind of supporting these small innovators and getting getting them launched and, and them a platform yeah and, exactly yeah. yeah yeah but yeah so as, as far as the the big supermarkets go they've could do better this, yeah, yeah yeah they could do better there's a could bit more work to be done yeah well it's, yeah. it's a challenge for somebody to yeah. to step up to yeah yeah i hope they're listening to this <laughs> let's hope so yes if you're listening yeah. there you go all right so we'll we'll wrap it up there thank mm. you very much for your time um and yeah, and you know, I really want to wish you all the best for yeah. for what you're doing with Tiny Leaf. Yeah. We, Thank if somebody's you. listening and they want to sort of learn more about what they're doing or they want to get involved in some way, you were talking about the crowdfunding campaign. Is that live? Yeah, is that it's something... not live yet. That'll be probably something in 2018 that we're going to kick off with. Okay. Um, but in the meantime, yeah, just check our social channels for all mm-hmm. updates and new new ventures and all things happening. Um, yeah, the the, the leaf uh, the handle is Tiny Leaf London. Tony, it's on everything, isn't it? TinyLeafLondon.com, yeah. TinyLeafLondon exactly. on Instagram and yeah, Twitter. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Nice and easy. Yeah, there you go. Brilliant. All right. So, um, Alice, thank you. Thank, thank you very, very much. much. Yeah. All the listeners who, uh, thank you for your time as well. And I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, do, you know, let us know what you think. And thank you. And we will see you next time. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>